Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Here we go. Let's get into the Word. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, turn there, flip there. We're going to have all of uh, the verses here on these screens behind me. I want you to go ahead and stand to your feet with me for just a, a minute as I read this passage to you. And we're just standing to honor the Word of God as it's read. Uh, and hey, it's the new year, and I know we're thinking about uh, New Year's resolutions and new habits. Raise your hand if you have some New Year's resolutions. There were like three in the first service, three people. Okay. Raise your hand if you've had them before and failed miserably, so you just gave up around March. Okay. You're, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Um, but hey, New Year's resolutions are fine. They're good. Okay. But what I want all of us to get in this new year, the most important thing we can have in this new year is a new mind. A new mind. And when you sit down in a minute, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is, you can write this down, very simply, a new mind. Mind. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll pick it up in verse 3. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine, what? Divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And take every thought, everybody say thought, every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Let's bow and let's ask God to help us. Let's raise our hands. Father, as we lift our hands in your presence, I ask, we ask that you would do a work in us. Lord, in this new year where we need new minds. Lord, I'm asking that you would renew us, that, Lord, you would come by the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit of God, that you would renew our minds and our hearts. Lord, I'm asking Jesus for you to brainwash us. Wash us with the water of your word. Wash us with the power, by the power of the Spirit. Lord, I'm asking today that you would do something truly miraculous in our thought lives. Lord, we ask and we pray for a great awakening in our minds, to see you, Christ, for who you are, to see the truth of the Word of God for what it is, and that we would see it, receive it, and live by it. And Lord, we give you praise in advance for what you're going to do in this place. We love you, King Jesus. We surrender to you and to your Word. We proclaim your preeminence in this place, and we say thank you. Come on, let's say thank you together. Come on. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for these things, and we pray these things in your name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Go ahead and have a seat. All right, let me begin by asking y'all a question. And please don't answer out loud. What do you think about most often? And let me stress again, please do not answer out loud. What do you think about most often? What dominates your thought life? And maybe you're here wondering, okay, Pastor Scott, why would you ask such a question? Well, because I believe that Craig Rochelle is right when he says that our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Now, think about that with me for just a minute. First of all, we say God is sovereign. You know what that means, right? That God is in charge of all creation. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of all lords. Can I get an amen? He is sovereign. And so at the same time, though, there is this truth that our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest, of our strongest thoughts. Meaning that what you think about most often will eventually translate into action. One, one person said it this way. We have to watch our thoughts because our thoughts become our words. And we have to watch our words because they become 
our actions. And we have to watch our actions because, well, they become habits. And we have to watch our habits because, well, habits form character. And you have to watch this because your character will eventually will determine your destiny. Now, there's a lot of truth to this. There's a lot of truth to this. We have to do some explaining here. This isn't a thoroughly biblical set of statements, but overall, this, this is overall true. What, what this person is saying that is, is that if you want to know the direction of where you're heading, well, it all begins in the real state between your ears. <laughs> yes, ultimately with God, but practically down here at our level with our thought lives. There is if you didn't know this, there is a war being fought every day. Hey, the young people that you saw, do you think the devil likes that? Do you think that the devil is just going to say, oh, I'm going to let them be? I'm going to just go let them worship Jesus, and I'm going to move on to other people. Do you think that he thinks that, thinks that about them, or are you here today? No, there is a war being fought and it's for the control of our minds. Yeah. And because the devil knows if he can get a hold of our thought lives, if he can control our minds, then he can control our behaviors. If you were to look in Scripture and form a profile of Satan, well, we could say a lot of things about him. He is the father of lies. He is a murderer and has been since the beginning. He is the accuser of of the brethren. He works overtime to kill. He works overtime. We can say it this way, that he is a mass murderer. That's what he does. Like his, his occupation is that, condemning, accusing, and murdering. And of course, Satan, well, as mentioned, he's the father of lies. He's the father of lies. Of lies. When he speaks, he lies. And when he lies, like that's his own native language, the Bible tells us. Are y'all getting the picture? Uh, back in in history, if you look at Hitler's Germany and you study even just a little bit about it, you'll, you'll, you'll probably remember or, or be quickly brought to uh, the awareness of this man named Joseph Goebbels. Joseph Goebbels was a, a man appointed by Hitler to be, this is crazy, listen to this, to be the minister of propaganda. The minister, I mean, think about that. Like, hey, I'm Joe. What do you do? Oh, I'm the minister of lies. Like, I, my full-time job is to deceive people through media, through radio, through whatever means, J Joe could. He was appointed to get lies in one group of people to turn them against another group of people. And how many of y'all know he was successful? But how many of y'all would agree with me that that wasn't just Hitler and Joseph Goebbels promoting lies? That is a title that is befitting for the devil himself, that he is the ultimate minister of propaganda. And he is working today in culture in a lot of different ways. I don't want to reduce it to one way, in many ways. Satan works through media. He works through popular culture, through popular music. How many of y'all know the devil loves TikTok? And it's not that a platform in itself is inherently evil, but how many of y'all know that the devil will hijack anything he can to get his propaganda across? And, and so... Social media can be a blessing. You can use it to promote truth, but it can also be hijacked and used for falsehood. Are y'all on the same page with me? And so as we look out today on news networks, and, and I don't want to get into calling out one over the other. I'm just saying the news networks are, for the most part, promoting their own agendas. And, and you have to be so discerning about what you hear about what you listen to, what you receive into your mind. Because listen to me carefully. It's not just that we hear a lie here or there. We are inundated in a culture. We are saturated in deception everywhere we turn. Like that is the culture that we live in. And I'm not trying to be overly negative or pessimistic. Let me just say it anyway, though. That the sin and the deception and all the immorality today in America rivals that of ancient Rome. Maybe even trumps that of ancient Rome. And hey, it's not all bad because Jesus is moving, but we, we have to be aware of the fact that Satan is working overtime to get control of this generation's minds because he knows if he can get it here, he can control what happens here. 
If the devil gets control of your mind, well, your actions are going to naturally what? Follow. That's right. And so there's a war being fought. And we have to be aware of this reality. And that means that as Christians, we can't just sit back and passively just allow anything to come in to our minds. We have to be so careful and so discerning to not allow what the Bible calls strongholds to develop in our thinking. Because once that happens, let me, if you're taking notes, write this down. Your beliefs will drive your behaviors. Let me say it again. What you believe dictates and drives what you do. The word here for stronghold, from the Greek term, well, it translates into most English Bibles as strongholds, but if you're taking notes, you can write this down. This, this word stronghold, it means this, in other words, a fortified fortress. It means a prison. It can mean, well, a high High, strong wall. So uh, look at the brick here to your left, right, or wherever you're sitting. Look look at the the bricks here. You see those? Picture yourself standing in front of those bricks. And when you're standing in front of the bricks, you can't see anything but what's directly in front of you. You can't see above, over the top. All you can see is what is there. And in the spiritual and in the emotional realm, so to speak, a stronghold is this. It's a fortified, strong argument. It's a fortified, well, belief system that can form a prison that you find yourself standing in. In other words, in your mind, a stronghold is a, not just a thought, but it's a collection of thoughts It's not just what you think once or twice. A stronghold develops after you think that same thought, not just once, twice, but many times. Strongholds are formed brick by brick, thought by thought, and over time, what you thought was just a brick or a thought ends up being an entire wall that you can't see past. Does that make sense? So as we're at this great arena, this great stadium, I think it was the final day, yeah, it was the final session. We're up in nosebleed because we got there late. And if you've ever been in a stadium like that, like, I don't know about y'all, but like, I, I'm there. I'm overwhelmed by Jesus. But in a secondary, lesser sense, I was also overwhelmed by the people that built that place. And I'm looking at this great stadium. And uh, listen, I don't have many fears in life, but I do have the fear of heights. Come on, anybody else want to confess your fear in church? I don't like being up high. I can do it. I don't like it. Jesus said, lo, I will be with you to the ends of the earth. (laughs) That's all I had. I I don't know if that works for those of you who are new to church. Never mind. I'm sorry I did that. But I I like to stay as low as I can. Well, but we went up high, and I'm looking out at this structure, and I'm like, (laughs) like, I'm thinking about the math that went into this place. Shout out to the engineers and the engineers in here. None. Praise God. Oh, we got one? Okay. Shout out to the math people. I'm like, okay, I'm looking at this structure, and and this all began on a pad or on a computer, running numbers. And I'm I'm thinking about it. I'm like, okay, I get that part. There's a lot of math that went into it. But, But like, okay, somebody got up in that ceiling, walked across, fixed the lights. I mean, you're talking about like, pull that picture back up for just a second. I want y'all to get into this emotionally with me. <laughs> Who in here, I mean, there's not enough money, and I mean this, to pay me to get up in that ceiling to adjust anything. Okay, see the floor? You see how high it goes? Is there anybody who, like, you couldn't wait to get up in that, in that ceiling and walk? Okay. I don't even know if I'm saved. I mean, I'd like... Y'all are like supermen. I'm like nothing. Okay. But, I mean, for the, for the, for the rest of us, for the normal people, look, look up there, y'all. And I, and I thought about, like, how did they do this? Who's crazy enough to build this place? Not just who's smart enough. Who's crazy enough 
to go that high? And here's the simple answer. When we ask how a place like this was built, the simple answer is, of course, they didn't start in the ceiling. They started at the foundation. And that place was built one step at a time. One brick, so to speak, at a time. Just one step at a time. How many of y'all know, if you look out at someone's life, if you look out at some destructive example of someone's life that has ended in ruin, how many of y'all know that, that event didn't just happen overnight? There was a leading up to that event that, that took sometimes months, even years to unfold. In other words, Jensen Franklin said this years ago, I'll never forget listening to this message. He pointed out, you know, s- some people say, well, so-and-so just fell into adultery. And Jensen Franklin said, he laughed about it, and that's no laughing matter overall, but he laughed about it, and he said, he said, you don't just fall into adultery. He said, it's not like you just go down, down the street to get a gallon of milk, and then on the way, you just fell into adultery. Like it just happened. When, when you look at that sort of example, how many of y'all know that that act began with a thought? That that act started with a thought of adultery in the mind. It wasn't like someone said, okay, I'm just going to go have an affair. Somebody committed adultery in that person's mind, and it wasn't just once, but it was a, a, a repetitious over and over again thinking about that act, being deceived into thinking that that person deserved that other relationship. They deserved that, that so-called blessing. They deceived themselves into it here, and because it got control of them here, it easily manifested here. Does that make sense? If you look at a stronghold of any sort, don't think that it was just, just built overnight, like there's a stronghold in your mind. No, 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 no. There's a whole process of you and me thinking thoughts one after the other, not just once or twice, but over and over again. And our thoughts are like bricks. Every time we think that thought, it's like a brick, and then another brick, and then another brick. And then over the course of time, when you look back, you're like, oh my gosh, I have, by my own thinking, I have built an entire strong system of belief, whether right or wrong. Let me say it again. Your beliefs drive and dictate your behaviors. You see, in the church today, I think we sometimes focus too much on behaviors. Well, and there's a time to do that. There's a time to call out sin. Did you know that? First service, only the front row knew that. But we are called first to call out sin in our own lives. Somebody said, be, be rigorous in judging yourself. Be gracious in judging others. But how many of y'all know we should call out sin? In our own lives, beginning there. But also, we are our brother's keeper. We should also call it out lovingly in other people's lives as well. But when you think about sin and you think about these these thoughts and you think about strongholds, listen to me carefully. This all begins, it begins with a thought. It begins with a thought that's left unchecked. And if that thought is left unchecked, that thought gets another thought and that thought gets another thought. And then that eventuates behaviors. It's important to look at the behavior. It's important to look at the action. But the emphasis of the word of God is not on us managing fruit. The emphasis of the Bible is transformation of the root. And if the root is good, how many of y'all know the fruit will be good? So Christianity is not behavior modification It's not in this new year, pull yourselves up by your bootstraps and try to be a better person. That's nowhere in Scripture. What is in Scripture is submit your life to the risen Lord, renew your mind in His Word, be filled with His Spirit, and He transforms you from the root, and from the root you bear forth fruit. Does that make sense? So some people want to start at the outside and work in. Jesus starts on the inside and works out. But not just, you know, inside in general. In your mind and in your heart in particular. The seed of your emotions, the seed of your will. That's what the devil's after. Is this making sense? 
brick by brick by brick. If you show me someone overcome with deception, like I looked out at that stadium, I'm like, how did, how did this happen? And I look at that person, someone were to ask, how did this happen? How did this person get so deceived? Answer, one thought at a time. Believed repetitiously over time, brick by brick, thought by thought, boom, stronghold. And we all have them. Or I should say, we've all had them. Some of you still have them. And the war in your mind, let me be as precise as I can. We use that language, war. It's really not a war that we win in this life. It's a battle that we fight. In other words, you don't wake up one day and like, I'm good. My, my mind's clean. I'm good. I'm so full of truth. I don't have to worry about the devil. The war has been well, I'm good. It's a battle that we fight. Every single day. And thank God there is victory for us through the word of God. But you can trace almost, almost, I don't want to overstate my case, almost every simple behavior to a belief system that was formed by repetitious thoughts. Can I be vulnerable with y'all? I'm going to do it anyway. Y'all know the drill around here. Back when I was, I guess, seven years old, if I'm getting some details wrong, forgive me, Lord. In my memory, I was about seven. And I remember sitting on my bedroom floor, and family was over. It was Christmas time, and my aunt, Aunt Johnny, was there. And I remember showing her something, and I had this feeling of insecurity. And I looked up at her, and I said, Am I boring you? And she said, honey, no. Basically, why, why would you be boring me? I talked about my fear of heights earlier. That's one thing. A fear of mine that I've had that's hit me at times over the years is the fear of insecurity. It's the act of being insecure and the fear of what that produces. Let me be real specific. I've had a fear of boring people. Now, the first service laughed at me when I told them that. I'm like, I'm getting naked up here and telling you all my problems. Y'all are laughing at me. <laughs> a fear of being boring. And at times in my life, that's hit me. And y'all know what's underneath that. It's insecurity, right? Y'all ever deal with insecurity? Am I the only one over there? Okay. Golly, man, like, where did that come from? That's something really silly. But think about if I, as a man of God, was enslaved to that fear, I would never be able to get up in front of a crowd like this and share truth. I know this would have never happened. I was telling my wife on the way home. I was telling Kelly, again, this is silly, but I was, I was actually thinking this. I hope when I'm at the Passion Conference, like, this is terrible. Forgive me, Jesus. Like, one of the speakers gets sick, and, like, they need a speaker, and, like, ask, would anybody want to share a word? And I'm like, give me that microphone. I'm going to preach this place down or up, however you want to look at it. Like, zero fear. And I hope that doesn't come across the wrong way. I just love to preach. I love to sh like yell about Jesus. Y'all know that. <laughs> that would never happen. Hey, does anybody have a word? They're not going to ask that at a big conference, but I'm thinking, man, if they did, I can't wait. <laughs> How many of y'all know that on the other side of my fear was my future? Because see, if I had been bound by that, that fear, that insecurity, I would have never answered the call to grab a microphone to preach Jesus two decades ago. If I was in bondage to that stronghold, 
I would never get up and preach the strong name of Jesus because I would be in bondage to my own insecurity. Some of you right now are not being used by God as he wants to use you, not because you're a bad person, but perhaps because you are imprisoned to a strong hold that you have developed over your life, one brick, one thought at a time. And if that's you, God loves you. But in this new year, New Year's resolutions are fine. What you need is a new mind. You need a new perspective. You need to know that the greater one lives inside and that his word can break you free, man. The devil wants to shut you up. The devil tried to silence me all those years ago. Do y'all think he has been successful? But that's only by the grace of God. New Year's resolutions are fine. But I pray today you get a New Year's revelation of who you are in Christ and whose you are. And to walk humbly but with authority in that relationship that Jesus died to provide. Are you all picking up what I'm laying down? Everyone here has had some strongholds at some time. Maybe you have one today. The Apostle Paul had his own to deal with, but let me be clear biblically. I can't help myself but to say this biblically. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 10 was not talking about strongholds of lust, like, I really want to go minister in Corinth, but I'm overcome by lust. I really want to go here, there, but I'm overcome by lust. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about internal struggles that I'm sure he had his own temptations. But in context, in 2 Corinthians, Paul is not talking about strongholds in his own mind. He's talking about those in other people's minds. And what he means, what I mean by that, what he means by that is that, that there, were, there were people in the community who were saying false things about Paul in his ministry, lies about him. And I'm paraphrasing, but basically this. Well, Paul, you're strong in letter, but when you show up, you're like weak in person. And hey, Paul, by the way, you're not a very good speaker. They were saying things about Paul to discredit him and to discredit his ministry. And by doing so, by speaking these, these, these words, those that received those words and believed those words, well, those words formed belief systems in Paul's audience. And if they believed those words, they would never receive Paul's. Does that make sense? There were strongholds being built around him by false teachers, by those who wanted to discredit him. And listen, Paul was very kind. He was very gentle. He was very merciful, no doubt. But when I read 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 3, I, I, I see another side of Paul come out. Let me read it one more time. He says, though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare, notice the language, this is war. He says, are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy what? Strongholds. He says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, man, I read that. I, th those words to me are fighting words. And this wasn't personal justification. This was Paul saying, you want to lie about me? You want to lie about even more? You want to lie about the Christ that I serve? Oh, get ready. I'm coming at, I'm coming at those lies. And I'm not coming with weapons from the world. The weapons to fight this battle are not bought on Amazon unless you're buying a Bible. The weapons to overcome in this war are not from this earth. They're from above. Paul came with the word. He came with the spirit. He came in truth. And he demolished every pretension and every false argument raised against his Christ and his gospel. Are you all with me? In other words, I'm going to tear this wall down. And this wasn't my destiny. This wasn't about Paul. This was about Jesus and the credibility of Christ's witness in the world. And we have to get that same attitude where almost like something, okay, I'm sick and tired. You have to say, 
of being in bondage to, subjected to, old, unrenewed, deceptive, demonic lies. Like, I get up here and yell at y'all, I'm sorry. I don't care how loud you are. I don't care if your neighbors hear you next door. How, if you're screaming at the top of your lungs or if it's just quietly in your own mind, you rising up to say enough is enough. I'm not going to live in a new year with these strongholds in my mind. I'm not going to do it any longer. I'm done with the lie. I'm done with this deception. I'm breaking out by the word and by the spirit, and I'm going to be a new man. Ladies, you say, I'm going to be a new one. I'm going to live the life Jesus died to provide, which isn't one of perfection but it is one of victory. How do we overcome? Quickly. And you know, here at Midtown, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but let me try to be. Um, how do we win the war? Let me say, let me be consistent. The battle in our minds. How do, we, how do we win? Number one, by tearing down strongholds with truth. Did you get that? The truth. Someone said, we can't solve problems by using the same kind of thinking that created them. So if a lie created the problem, then only the truth can solve the problem. You can't get out of a lie with, uh, with more lies. You can't get out of the lie by self-help. To get out of the lie, you, we need truth. Amen. I, I want you to hear my heart on this, and I don't want anybody to feel condemned, please. Because I don't have a ministry of condemnation. Hope, I hope there's conviction. I want to challenge you in this new year to get in this word every day of your life. If you miss a day, don't miss two. If you miss it, get in this word. Open it. I understand there's some things in it that are hard to understand. Hey, by the way, at the Lafayette campus beginning Tuesday, January 23rd, I'm going to be teaching Tuesday nights from 6 to 8 at Lafayette. I'm going to begin a course on spiritual formation. How do you become more like Christ? Join me. You can register online. We'll have the link up on the Midtown uh, site and all the other OSC location sites. Register. It's going to be uh, spiritual formation, Christian theology. I'm going to teach and preach to the gospel of John. And hey, y'all, they give me two hours every Tuesday. Finally! When someone's not going, okay, you got to wrap it up. You've been going 45 minutes. Listen to me carefully. The devil, the minister of propaganda, works overtime all week long to deceive you, to lie to you. We are inundated in a culture that is packed with lies. And I get y'all for about an hour on Sundays. So I don't ever want to hear, but pastor's going long today. He's been going 50 minutes. Listen, I got 50 minutes to preach the word into your soul to set you free. And hey, if you're not interested, I get it. I'm not trying to go long. All I'm saying is, man, there's some truth up in this word that you need to hear. And you need to see other people receive it and be changed by it. What am I saying? Get to church every Sunday. What happens if I miss? Well, you go to hell. <laughs> and when you come back the next time, we'll have a trap door under your seat. You go straight to hell and all the angels are singing and another one bites the dust. <laughs> no. I don't know what's up. <laughs> but pastor, I got to go hunting. You got all the other days to hunt. Go hunt. Well, I've got, there's an outing, right? There, there's never an end to the outings. 
Well, uh, Mardi Gras is coming up. Streets are going to be blocked. Listen, there are 50 ways to get to Midtown. I don't care if you have to get helicoptered and dropped to Midtown. Come here to hear this word. Okay, I had to get that off. But hey, you, you can receive the word. You can, you can read it on your own time. You don't have to have me. You don't have to. But here's a question. Just, just for you, between you and God. How much time are you spending in the Word? You know, on your iPhone or your devices, it'll show you how much screen time you've had. I'm curious, how much, how much Word time have you had? Oh, don't, oh, don't, don't. Well, pastor got onto us. Boy, I'm not getting on to you. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just so fired up about what's in this that I want to invite you to read it with me and to be changed forever by it with me. Read it. Don't judge it, let it judge you. Don't change it. Pray that it'll change you. Pray this. Jesus, brainwash me. People say, you Christians, you're brainwashed. Yep. A hundred million percent. Washed with the word. Renewed by the word. Well, did you hear what so-and-so said on TikTok? Did you hear what so-and-so was saying from the White House, from this house, or that house? Listen, I'll show honor as often as I can, but at the end of the day, I honor this word and the one who gave it above all. And let me encourage you. Live your life by it. Do y'all receive that? Paul Washer, an old fiery preacher, he said, don't go to the church that's closest to your home. Go to the church that's closest to the Bible. And listen, I don't want to sound like some fundamentalist, like, like we're the only ones here. No, no, there are lots of great churches throughout this community. But don't strive for convenience. Say, God, I want, I want to go. If it's midtown, praise God. Wherever, I want to go. And be with the people who are closest to your word. Because those people, I believe, are closest to your heart. Do y'all receive that? Come to church. Don't miss. If you miss, we still love you. But we're going to call and we're going to check on you. Not to micromanage you, but to just encourage you. How many of y'all know we need one another to run this race? We're not a cult. <laughs> we're led by the Spirit. We're, we're led by the Word of God. Number two, we're almost done. Take your thoughts captive and make them obedient to Jesus. Y'all know what squatters are, don't you? Squatters who are, uh, are those who find an unoccupied piece of, of real estate. Let me say it this way, an, an unguarded piece of real estate. And squatters, they, they go onto that property and they take authority over it because no one else is there. And live like it's theirs. Squatters. Well, that happens in the natural, but how many of y'all know that also happens in the spiritual and in the emotional? The key word is unguarded. Between your ears is the most important piece of real estate you own. It's called your brain, your mind. And I'm just concerned that there are many unguarded minds that are allowing squatters in the form of lies and deception take up residence in their minds and hearts. And it's easy if you're not proactively fighting this battle. You know, squatters will come in and take authority, or at least try to take authority over you. But Paul says, we have to take every thought captive. That takes work. It's, it's this idea of when you, go, when you fly, you go through TSA, put all your stuff up on the scanner, roll it through. They look at everything, have the scanner, so that they ensure that there's no gun or dangerous device in your luggage. I want you to think of this in terms of your mind, your thoughts. We have to take inventory to run our thoughts 
through the word of God. To know it. How many of y'all know? You got to know it first. But run your thoughts through the word of God. And if it starts going, eh, 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 that's Jesus saying, take that thought captive and throw it in the trash. Don't let it through. And then, y'all, this takes work. This means, okay, what, you, you have to ask yourself if you don't know, obviously. Sometimes, sometimes we're oblivious to the obvious. We have to ask, what am I thinking? What am I thinking? I almost titled this, what, what are we thinking? You've got to take your thought life. Paul says, take it captive. Every thought. And the question that you need to ask is this. Is this thought from God or not? Let me give you another one. Does this thought align with the truth of this word or not? Paul says to take those thoughts captive but don't stop there. Make those thoughts obedient to Christ. How many of y'all know Jesus is the Lord of all creation? How many of y'all are thankful he died to set you free from your sins? Two of y'all. I know you are. I'm just messing with you. He is our Savior, thank God. But Jesus, King Jesus, is the crucified risen and reigning Lord of all creation. He came the first time, born of the virgin, lived to become a full-grown man, to die an atoning death, to be raised from the grave. And oftentimes we celebrate Easter but forget that he also ascended to the right hand of God the Father where he is presently ruling and reigning the entire cosmos. Far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, far above every name that can be named, Jesus is the king of all kings. Do y'all believe that? Then wouldn't it be wise to submit our minds to his gracious and good rule? Jesus, because you are what I just preached, I am going to surrender all that I feel, all that I think, there is a way that seems right, Proverbs says, to a man that in the end leads to destruction. We are a, a generation, my generation and even the, especially the younger, led by how we feel. Listen, self-definition leads to self-destruction. We have to be defined by. This is not about who I think I am. This is about who God says I am. I am a born again. You are born again, blood bought, spirit filled, male and female. We are the children of the living God called to walk in his purposes. And if the word says it, that should settle it. So King Jesus, I'm not going to think that thought. Because it's out of line with your word. If you can demolish it here, if you can, by the Spirit, control it here, that sin will never manifest here. Take every thought captive. And you can say it out loud. Thought, obey the risen, reigning Lord. Someone said, well, I don't feel comfortable. Break out of what you feel comfortable or uncomfortable. Break out of that. Someone said, well, I like the messages at the Passion Conference, but I'm not really into, like, the worship. I'm not really, okay, I get it. You don't have to jump up and down. But, hey, when God gets a hold of you, when you understand what you've been saved from and for, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're going to go nuts at some point. You're going to give God some crazy praise. Martin Luther, the great reformer of the 16th century, he said, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. In other words, the birds are going to fly. The Mr. Propaganda, he's out. Lies are going to come. But just because they fly, come on, duck hunters, you go. Come on, Cajuns. Just because they fly over your head doesn't mean you should allow them to take nest in your mind. Come on, y'all. we got to take every thought captive so they don't take us 
captive. And finally, then we can go eat. Number three. Number three. How do we win this battle? Number three. By replacing old thoughts with new thoughts. Old ones with new ones. So it's not enough to just crucify, crucify, crucify. Yes, crucify those ungodly thoughts. But then by the word, replace old ones with new ones. Scientists tell us that neurons that fire together wire together. Let me explain. Uh, Raise your hand if you've been coming to this campus for three months or longer. I think I can speak for you all in saying that when you got up today, you didn't have to get out maps. You didn't have to get out. Who's old enough to remember maps? Come on, Rand McNally. How many of y'all remember printing? You print the directions? Y'all are old. I remember too. You didn't get up today to MapQuest Midtown. Maybe you did the first time. Or maybe you'd driven by, you knew where it was. But you got up today, and you made a great decision. You drove to Midtown. And I say that because we have such a great staff. And so, because y'all are amazing. <laughs> this, this, this campus and all of our campuses, I praise God for all of them. But you got up, and you, you weren't consciously thinking, okay, up here i got to go left, i got to go right, i got to go da, da, da. If you've been here before and you've been here enough times, you just, just did it, right? It was just natural to you. You did that because of neurological pathways that have been formed in your thinking by repetition. So you just drove here. The same is true. We've been talking about the negative and the sin. The same is true with godly thoughts. That maybe you've been thinking sinful, deceptive, harmful thoughts. Well, the good news is today, by the power of the Spirit, by the power of the Word, you can begin to think new thoughts, make a commitment to getting up tomorrow to read the Word, and don't expect it to be like some miracle overnight, but be committed in this new year to reading the Word of God, ancient truths in the new year. Little by little by little, the more that you do it, those pathways will form so you're no longer on the, in your mind, highway to hell. You're on the highway to heaven, and serving God becomes supernaturally natural to you. That's what happens when you begin to think God's thoughts after him. My point is, you can change. And I praise God for medicine. There's a place for medicine. I'd be honest, my PhD is in New Testament, not in medicine, so I'm not going to get into that discussion. God has used medicine to help people. Don't be ashamed if you need that. Don't let that be your God, but hey, I'll leave that between you and whoever you're working with, your doctor. But I can say from experience that I know the power of this word. And I know I may witness to what it has done in me when read and believed. And if God can change this mind and this heart, y'all are easy. So I want to invite you to make this perhaps your, the primary scripture to drive you in this new year. I'm going to be done with this one. One, one quick other one. Philippians 4.8. Paul says, sorry, Philippians 4.8. Uh, finally, brothers, w- listen carefully. This is so good. Whatever is true. Everybody say true. Whatever is honorable. Whatever is just. Whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, what does he say? Think about these things. What do I think about in the new year? Let that be your list. Find out what's lovely. Find out what's true. Find out what's honorable. Set your mind on those things. And Paul says in Romans 12 to, ooh, I love this. Do not be conformed. Listen, Midtown, do not be conformed to this world. But Paul says, be what? Transformed by the what? 
renewal of your mind. Oh man, there's a current, a flood. Peter calls it a dissipation in the culture. It's easy. It's easy to jump into what's popular, to what's apparently, allegedly, widely accepted. It's easy to just jump into the flow and be led by it. Paul says, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't conform. Be transformed. By the renewal of your mind. On the authority of the word of God and by the power of the Spirit. It's a new year. Some of you have New Year's resolutions, but the best thing that you can get in this new year is a new mind. Can I get an amen? amen. I want you, as we close, to stand to your feet. I'm gonna pray for you, and then y'all can go to Piccadilly <laughs> or wherever your little heart leads you. Come on, let's lift our hands. Father, we thank you for your word. Come on, let's lift our hands. We're almost done. Y'all been so patient. Thank you. We lift our hands, Lord, and we surrender to you. Take your fingers right now and place them right here, right here. Lord, we, we pray for renewed minds. God, I pray that you would change us from the inside out. Lord, that, that by the Spirit, by what I preach from your word, that you would use it to transform us today, and that, Lord, that this word today would be a catalyst of encouragement for this new year. And Lord, I pray that we would be lovers of your word, lovers of truth, not mean-spirited, not legalistic, not telling people off, but Lord, saturated in your word so that we can be changed, so that we can be billboards, trophies of your grace, purchased from this world, brought into the light, living in sons and daughters of the Most High God. And so God, I pray for all my friends here, at the 11 o'clock service. Lord, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would renew them. I pray, God, that in this new year, we would have a new perspective of you, a new perspective of ourselves. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your word today to us. It's in the awesome, exalted, powerful name of Jesus, everyone said.